Is this the reading room? Yes, I'm Saad Manzul. And I'm Travis Howard. This is Reading Room Talk. Thank you for pressing play. Yeah, welcome. Yes, we're back with another special guest. Very oh, special guest. Super, super special. Part of the road. <laughs> part of the road specialty. Exactly. There you go. Exactly, the D. We got Dr. Ron House. What's up, man? How are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. I'm glad. I'm really uh, excited for what y'all doing, so I'm glad to be a part of it. Excellent. Excellent. Well, we're excited to ask you first question, which is uh, take us back to medical school. What was your uh, toughest class or rotation in medical school? All of. So. (laughs) (laughs) I heard that. Well, I'll start with class. I think for me, first year physiology was tough. Um, Mm -hmm. I honestly, throughout high school, college, you know, I, I really. I was really strong with memorization. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that doesn't work in medical school. You need kind of correlation. You need to, you know, it's really difficult to remember everything. So I went into first years, you know, leaving class, going to class. Like I, but then when those tests came, it was a different monster. And, you know, <laughs> honestly, it was talking to my engineer friends. They were like, no, you got to think of it like engineer, you know, things correlate engineering because you're, you're trying to, you have a problem, you're trying to fix it. So you need to get from point A to point Z. And once I kind of switched that physiology, I ain't going to say it got easier, but it, it was. Uh, gave you some confidence, I'm sure. It gave me some confidence, but what gave, what it also lit a fire because I remember um, being called to, you know, Dr. Collins, who was looking out for all, all of us. He was like, you know, I saw you got that 72 in your exam. Yeah. I ain't never got, you know, 72 was new to me. You know, I yeah. ain't really. I wasn't really getting 72s like that. Um, yeah. So I was okay. So you know, I, I knew I knew the cutoff. I was like, you know, this first semester, first year is important. Like you got to get past it. So I would say physiology honestly was just tough, but it was it was the basics. I mean, that's you can't you can't know medicine without knowing how things. You can't know is how to fix things that are broken without knowing how it's supposed to work in the first place. That's exactly right. I was gonna say 72 though. I mean, like, you're, what was you guys' passing score? It may have been like seventy. I mean, somebody was like, "C's good degrees." I'm like, "Yeah, yes. yeah." But that's yeah, not... but like the seventy-two is like that's like a real life ninety-five, though. You know, like, <laughs> right? Like exactly. they make you feel bad about it, but you actually passed. That's like exactly. So yeah. I was just worried. You know, they was like, "If you, if you, believe, you know, I don't like being close." You know what I'm saying? I yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even like my gas tank to get the E. So I'm like, <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't be two points away from barely yeah. passing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, let me tell you, Ron, uh, a little backdrop, <laughs> Ron and I went to medical school together, University uh-huh. of Cincinnati, and the guy's brilliant, man, you know, he memorizes yeah. everything, he, this guy will be reading his notes and making it look easy, making it look cool, um, so don't, <laughs> don't let him fool you, um, but <laughs> I, I can attest to physiology being difficult, um, and just trying to put the concepts together and figuring out how things um correlate and are related that's you know that's a that's a lot of the battle when you're when you're grinding your first couple of years so right um, right but you can't do it figure it out and 72 man it's like we don't get to medical schools getting 72s nobody nobody (laughs) likes that but you have to change your gauge change your barometer p equals md a lot of the times you're trying to get through it yeah you're trying (laughs) to get through it that's it i mean there's like you know they have these studies where they talk to like uh olympians i guess and um you know they they talk to like the gold medal people and they usually 
you know, do pretty well. They feel good and like they usually have a nice life. And they talk to the uh, silver medalist. And I guess the silver medalist, a lot of times, you know, they'll have like more, um, you know, mental issues later on because they feel like they should have had the gold. Mm-hmm. But then like they talk to the bronze people and they're super happy because they're like, I almost didn't get a medal. So that's real. I feel like, you know, you get a 72 and you, you're passing these tests. You know, you should feel good. I mean, you did have to go see, you know, some people talk about it, but like passing is passing. That's not, right. that's not an easy accomplishment in itself, you know? So, and it I mean, seems like no matter if you get the gold or you get the bronze, or you get a 72 is what do you do next? Like yeah. that's the most important thing, right? Are yeah. you going to continue to do better and progress or are you going to allow whatever happened to, to, to cause you to fail or end or, or um, no, that's real. Like, stop. No, you gotta, you gotta keep that mentality. Like you gotta keep your, your mental right. And like, I think a lot of the times, like there's like a lot of tricks and you try to trip you up to kind of mess, you know, mess with you mentally. But like, I mean, you're passing, you're passing, you gotta keep going. So yeah, that's, 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 that's that's real. So, but anyways, you'll take us back to uh, where you're from. So I was born and raised in Columbus, Ohio. Um, Mm. Spent, you know, went to Eastmore Academy High School in Columbus, which was, Nice. Kind of a college preparatory high school within the Columbus City Schools, used to be Columbus <laughs> Public Schools back then. So, um, you know, being from Columbus, a lot of my f- friends, classmates from high school all went, stayed, stayed in Ohio, went locally. I went to Howard for undergrad. Oh, nice. Um, so that was, that was a really great look for me. I, I remember visiting um, – my my mom's friend, coworker, her son was a couple years older than me. I, I visited him when I was a junior in high school. He was at Howard. Nice. And I I completed my application at night as soon as I left him. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I was yeah. I was kind of ready to go. Um, I was ready to go. It was great. It was a good experience. I mean, I think one of the things that people shockingly, I mean, people that don't understand uh, Howard or other HBCUs. Mm-hmm. And I tell people that was the most diverse place I've ever been in my life. And they're like, what? Exactly. Um, but, you know, first year, first meeting people from the continent of Africa, meeting people yep. from all the Caribbean islands, people from across all 50 states, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, everybody with different backgrounds, different upbringings. It was literally the most diverse place that I had been to that date, maybe to to the day, to Absolutely. today, I should say. Um, yeah. And that also, and that kind of came to that understanding was cemented when I went back to Ohio for medical school uh-huh. at the University of Cincinnati, great medical school. Um, but I looked up, you know, most of the, a lot of the class was from Ohio. Mm-hmm. A lot of the class went to the same undergrads. A lot of the class kind of had the same upbringing or, and I'm like, yeah, this is crazy. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm coming from a place where you, you got to understand people from across the continent or from the world, really. The world. Yeah, exactly. And so it was a, it was a little culture shock. Mm-hmm. Not in the way that some people expect when you go to HBCUs. It was a culture shock because it was like, oh, I'm going to a place where everybody has the same mind, the same kind of upbringing, kind of everybody's the same. It was a little different, a little, little, yeah. little no, challenge a, for me. Luckily, I had a great perspective, though. That's a great walk me through it. For sure. And I think it speaks to uh, our thinking that, you know, certain populations and HBCUs is going to be, it's a monolith. Like all people are going to be the same. But, you know, you, you experienced, you know, many different types of people at an HBCU. So, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. it's wonderful, man. I'm, I, I always like, 
I'm always wishing I would have went to Howard when I talked to Ron because he, he 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 loves it and still loves it. And the network, man, it's 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 a wonderful place. Wait, so what was your first like? Uh, like, what did you do when you got to Howard the first time? Like, just visiting, I guess. Like, what, oh, okay. What? So I was 16. Um, oh, yeah. Was I 16? Yeah, I was 16. I was junior in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and my man, he was a DJ. So he he uh-huh. would DJ parties. So at oh, 16, he's like, oh, come to the. That's back when. Um, actually, before I got there, Howard used to have parties on campus. Uh-huh. So they had a, can- a party at the Blackburn Center. It's like kind of like a student union. You know, I'm 16. I'm sure it's crazy. In, in the party <laughs> with the 18 to 22 years old, you know, just seeing a whole, a different world, literally. <laughs> uh, and so I'm like, oh, this is great. You know, everybody in the room. I mean, my high school was predominantly black, so it wasn't a new thing to me. But just like, man, oh, you from Jamaica? Oh, you from Nigeria? Oh, yeah. you from D.C.? You from L.A.? Like, just yeah, I'm like meeting all these people. And then you and know, I think I was gonna say the other thing is like, you know, they're from these different places. They look like you, but they're also very serious about school, which is also like yeah, that's right. Awesome. It was like yeah. you, you were just around. You were around synergy. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a 16-year-old mind, you know, you see 19-year-old girls being nice to you because you're the young guy. On, you know, they're just being nice and being cordial. And you like, oh, I, I got to go here. <laughs> yep, um, sign me up. Right, right. You know, it kind of feel like, like oh, I, this, I need to be here. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah. you know, he was great. You know, he was a very smart individual. He kind of connected me with his people. Mm-hmm. I think he was an upperclassman at that point. So you're starting to hear all these people leaving Howard and going to this, going to that, and doing this. And like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. All right, I need to be here. I need to be here. Yeah. No, that's real. That's, uh, I was going to say, I think one other thing that happens too is like you see people who like are having a life outside of like school, but then also getting their school on as, as well, which is mm-hmm. also great to see. So, yeah. and Ron was not only a student. But you were an athlete as well. Yes. Right. So, um, and the, and the funny thing that I always say about that is, like, when I went to Howard, um, my first year, I didn't participate in athletics because I was, you know, I'm like, okay, you know, I'm, I, I wasn't all state in track and field in high school, mm-hmm. but I was, I was solid. I was decent enough to, um, to do it at the collegiate level. Nice. But I was like, you know what? I need to focus on school and. You know, it's going. I'm gonna be biology major, mm-hmm. so I need to focus. But honestly, I'm not having that schedule that I had in high school, where I knew I had to be at practice before school and do school during the day and then practice afterwards. Not having mm-hmm. that, actually, I was a little bit of a slacker because you get to college, you you done at noon. You know, I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> well, I got time, Perfect. and so I actually. Went to I, I did shop with a discus store, and that actually helped me academically, uh, ironically. So nice. Good. Why do you say that? It just put me on a schedule. I mean, I remember sophomore year, we had 5 a.m. weightlifting. I went back to the dorm. By 8 o'clock, I was in classes. I was done by 12. We had practice at 3. It just put me on a schedule. And so I yeah. knew, okay, I needed to – instead of my freshman year, where it was like, well, I'll study later. It was like, no, you got between 12 and 3. Well, I wasn't studying like that. we'll talk about that later but (laughs) when it was time to study it was like okay you got this hour to study five to eight or eight to eleven like because you got practice or you got a track meet that weekend so you it just put me on schedule yeah that's which is what i was used to absolutely man that time management is super key yeah yeah, that's a gem like discipline time management organization don't sleep on it 
Don't mm-hmm. sleep on it. Very important. Oh, I love it. That's that's so good. And uh, you're a bio major. Yeah, because um, I didn't know any better. I mean, <laughs> when you go, Howard Howard didn't have an official like pre med major. Mm-hmm. They did have a BSMD program, which I considered, and quickly was like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. Which kind of gave you a track, but there was no for other students, there was no specific pre-med major. So I was like, well, what do you do when you want to be a doctor? Oh, you major in biology or chemistry. So I was like, okay, biology. Boom. Um, Which, yeah, I I learned a lot for sure. But most of us probably look back and say, I wish I did this, wish I did that. And yeah, um, I just didn't know. I didn't know any better. Yeah. But for that Howard student, that's a biology major, you know, what, what, um, I guess sort of advice or what would you tell them to consider? Oh, good question. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I have a lot of mentees at different levels of life and I always tell them like, um, begin with the end in mind. You know, I wish that I minored in something other than chemistry. Chemistry was like a given minor cause you kind of had to take classes to the chemistry the minor. Yeah. But I was like, I wish I would have spent some time in econ or or some of the entry level business courses or, you know, find a way to design your college experience to benefit you. Because ultimately, it's the last time for real that you're going to have this flexibility to be exposed to a lot of things. Um, And it's hard when you're a biology major and you're expected to have 128 credits over everybody else has 119. You're like, oh, they chilling. You you Uh, feel pressured. (laughs) <laughs> but do it um, or also explore. Like I didn't realize that until I went to medical school. I remember one of our good friends from medical school, he was an English major and he was, he was killing it. Yeah. And I'm like, why? It's because his reading comprehension was killing mine. Mm-hmm. He could read something or understand something. And sometimes with, especially with the volume that we had to read early on, it's like, if you can get through the material quickly enough and comprehend it, that's half the battle. Absolutely. And so I'm like, wow, you know, knowing how this cell works really helped me in that physiology class. I had a 72. It didn't at all. Um, <laughs> That's right. But it is what it is. Um, yeah. Oh, it's so good. So uh, your, your experience at Howard, what would you say that that experience, how that has enriched your career and, and, you know, your life? You know, for anyone who's considering HBCU, why would why would you do it again? Why would you do it all over again? I mean, you talked about it. You mentioned it briefly. Um, I met some of the most amazing people I have ever met and will probably ever meet in my four years at Howard. And um, it's somewhat like a fraternal feeling when you meet other Howardites and you understand um the process that going to Howard teaches you. You know, a lot of people talk about prestige and stuff that you that you learn at an institution, but a lot of the stuff that I learned at Howard was not in the classrooms. It was outside of the classroom, learning how to persevere, learning how to um, push through hard times, learning how to juggle uh, academically, learning how to make the best out of maybe a not great situation, um, mm-hmm. honestly. And some of those things that are spoon-fed to people throughout time we, I learned in Howard. And so the, the network, to get back to your original question, the network that I've obtained from there is just beyond, like beyond measure. I mean, I just left the NMA convention and ran into 
some Howard people I knew from Howard undergrad, also Howard Med, that they're like, oh, you went to Howard too? Cool. So it was like, wow, now <laughs> we didn't even go to school together. They went to Howard Med, I went to Howard undergrad, but it was still like, oh, we, yeah. we're we together. We good. Exactly, exactly. Oh, that's so good. That's that's yeah. awesome. So, yeah. so how, did, uh, how did Howard kind of prepare you for applying to med school and getting into med school, would you say? Um, well, from a, from a, like, practical standpoint, we did have um, some people in the, again, it wasn't a pre-med major, but we had some people that were instrumental into kind of guiding the students. So a lot of the summer programs that I did that I think were helpful in getting me into medical school, um, like the SMDP, which was SMEP oh, back in the day, shout I out. did that. Right. You know, that was recommended me from a friend of mine who was a year ahead of me. He did it, but they instructed him. So obviously that network kind of helped me prepare. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a summer research program at Ohio State. I do have a book ID. You know, that's nice. my little summertime there. So I feel, <laughs> you know, I feel, I feel like I'm, I'm with y'all on that one. Oh, wait. Um, right. I am. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, Howard kind of geared me into that. And honestly, you know, we did have a little uh, funny story. We did have like an MCAT uh, prep thing that they arranged for all the people that were interested in medical school. And I did not take it as seriously as I should have, honestly. Um, my first MCAT experience was was uh, not a good one. <laughs> um, but uh-huh. again, perseverance. I learned perseverance from being there. And yeah. I took it again and I killed it. So, well, not killed yeah. it. I did better. Let me clarify. Let me clarify that real quick. I got in med school. school. Exactly. Um, And so did many of my friends. And so that's (laughs) one of the, I think, uh, a testament to Howard being an institution that educates a lot of the future physicians and dentists and pharmacists of the world. Absolutely. Whether in a graduate or in um, graduate school. So absolutely. I mean, I was going to say, like, you know, I did the MMEP program, which is the you know same thing at Case. Mm-hmm. And like, I think that was like the first time that I actually was like around like a lot of like African-Americans who were like serious about going into, you know, medicine. And uh, I think it really. Then you just have a cohort of people to go through this with, you know, at that point. And that's all really yeah. all it's about. I mean, it's probably more important to have like a cohort of people than it is to have like a strong academic department because the mentors and the men, you know people that are like a year two years ahead of you they're going to help you out a lot more than like you know like a guidance right who's been out for like 20 years and didn't get to med school anyway so um you know <laughs> exactly. yeah, that, that, that helped me out the most like yeah. I remember being at ohio state like uh, i'm not getting any information and then after i went to the mmbp program i mean they basically put me in contact with people I'm in contact with to this day and the same people who told me like, okay, so after your sophomore year, you're gonna have to do this after your, you know, junior year, you should probably apply to a research program. And like, no, it just kind of gives you like an, a direct idea about how to get this done. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Big, big shout out to all those programs. I mean, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So. so what, what do you do, Dr. Bosley? Tell us what you do. <laughs> I am a dermatologist. Um, nice. So All right. I uh, take care of the skin, hair, and nails. Mm-hmm. I am. Um, I have one of the things about dermatology that I love in medical school was like it just seems so broad, and I hate it. I kind of hated other specialties that seem broad, but with dermatology, it just seemed it seemed broad and in within this possibility. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that you can take care of kids, you take care of adults, you take care of white people, white people, younger people. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do surgery, you're a pathologist, you're a pediatrician, you're a surgeon, you're 
internist if you want to be you mm-hmm. rheumatologist if you want to be and so um awesome i was kind of drawn to that um at what, at what point in medical school were you like drawn to it like, so mm-hmm. so not early on early on being an athlete and yes and, Gotta um, say it. you you know it you know uh-huh. being who i was i was like i'm about to do ortho i'm out uh-huh. yeah 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 so you know travis and i had conversations about that back in the day mm-hmm. but uh around sophomore year i was like ah, ah you know i did a i did a i did a uh spent some uh, spent some time with orthopedist sophomore year Mm-hmm. And it's like, meet us Saturday at this high school football game. I said, Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he was a he was a team doc for one of the high schools in Kentucky. But I think he also may have worked for either the Bearcats or the Bengals or whatever. But right. he was like, yeah, you know, during this football season, in the weekends, we work. And then you know, I tuned out after that. <laughs> um, but. I was uh, going to say the, uh, the the Owen Road is not ortho. That, right. Oh, yeah. man, no. But on the, you know, honestly, Travis was uh, Travis's wife Tammy had a friend, a co intern who was dermat- She had two co interns, I believe, that were dermatology prelims. Uh-huh. Nice. Uh, and hanging with them was probably the first time I actually seriously considered it. I think Travis may not remember. We had a conversation about. It. I was like, I don't know. I don't really know about derm. But no. to answer your question a little bit more specifically. Um, Cincinnati, we were allowed to do um, we were allowed to do non-core rotations throughout our third year. Um, oh, so Derm was my second rotation. It was just two weeks, two week elective. And after that two weeks, I was sold. I actually met my uh, met my mentor, Dr. Hugh Gloucester Jr. It was a black man. So I'm like, ooh, that's me. And he kind of he kind of he kind of scooped me up, honestly. He was like, all right, cool. You want to do this? And this is what we need to do. So I was kind of a late bloomer for Durham. A lot of, especially these days, a lot of these kids are like out of college in first week of med school doing Durham research. I was yeah. third, August of my third year of medical school when I quote unquote decided. I see. Because that's what it takes, man. Durham is very, very, very competitive. So it crazy. is. It is. Yeah, but you were like interested in ortho. So you're already like trying to get high numbers, you know? So like that's. That's the nice thing of when you're like you know, <laughs> interested in these things. Yeah. So high number, right? I think uh, <laughs> your surroundings are what creates you, right? Huh? Luckily, you know, the gentleman on the phone with us, Travis Howard, was <laughs> out, out here, was out here killing it, you know. And he's <laughs> an open kind of guy. He would share, like, yeah, you know, I took a my step one t- practice <laughs> test, and you know. <laughs> Yes, sir. Get out of here, man. No. So Travis is like, you know, I, I only got a 240. I, I need to get more. I'm like, what? Oh, man. And then guy. our other friend, Corey, who's out here, you know, partying the night before, take a practice test, get a 270. So I'm sitting oh. here like, man. So yeah. I, I was pushed by those around me. Let's just say hey. that. And so hey. it helped. It, it gave That's me, exactly you know, right. It gave me the foundation I needed to be able to do whatever I wanted to do. And feel like you can do it. Yeah, right. Well, Rod has a knack for surrounding himself with talent. He's talented. I Mm. mean, that's no big up to me by any means. I'm just saying throughout (laughs) his life, on his career path, he has surrounded himself with talented people. (laughs) And that's definitely one of the the man's strengths. And um, and that pays off for anybody who's pursuing anything. I mean, Travis, I told you this before, but 
One of my favorite Kanye lyrics, New Jack City, got to keep my brother, but to be number one, I'm going to beat my brother. And that is what, <laughs> and that is what drove me through yeah. medical school. It was like, oh, Travis got a 92? All right. Travis let me, studying? Let me get him. I'm about to study. <laughs> Oh, that's so good. That's so good. I think that's uh, you know that, that that's you know you hear from you hear about that from athletes too. You know, like when athletes are like on a team and like mm-hmm. you're like a wide receiver, and then you have like another wide receiver with you who's like, you know, really good. It makes you work harder. So it's yeah. the same same situation. So yep, that's for great. Sure. That's so good. So like, so you you decided to apply for Durham. How did that process go? Like, how did you uh, you know well, get the courage up to like make that happen for yourself? Yeah, I mean. Honestly, without my mentor kind of directing me, I kind of would have been lost. Because ironically, I think our third year, there may have been three people total interested in Durham, but only I ended up applying for Durham. Uh, it's always single digits. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, it may have, it was really low. And so I remember rotating with other people and they, they're not deciding. So I really didn't have anybody to like, oh, were you interviewing? What's the, what's the deal? So mm-hmm. hindsight, I kind of went into it blindly and... Um, luckily my mentor uh, was able to get me on a few projects he was working on. We did a big project, uh, my third year going into my fourth year. I did some away rotations, um, my fourth year just to, um, better my chances. And uh-huh. luckily those away rotations became fruitful. Um, Durham is a very regional specialty. I'm sure some of the other specialties are similar, but mm-hmm. when you go to school in the Midwest, you match in the Midwest. So, Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up going back to Howard uh, to do a derm rotation, which I think was great because I got to see the East Coast perspective of dermatology and sure. meet some other basically black derms mm-hmm. in training and tending. So that was great. Nice. Um, and so I, although I was kind of going through it by myself with classmates, I had people along the way that were very helpful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, tell me what to do. Well, yeah, I remember Ron and I were make, trying to make a decision on what to choose. And, you know, we talked about this uh, earlier side on other uh, speaking with other folks about how as an African-American, you feel this push to go into primary care mm-hmm. and, and the, you know, the specialties that are on the road. You know, you, you think all oh, those you would be you would be giving in or sacrificing something to choose one of those. Right. One of those subspecialties. And they well, make you feel like that too, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Absolutely. But Ron and I, we thought, you know what? To hell with this. We're going to choose what we would what would make us happy. And I think, you know, as you'll see, as we ask Ron where he's taking his career and the things that he wants to do, you can make it your own. You can still be socially conscious and fight, you know, equality, equity, all those beautiful things exactly. and still practice one of these subspecialties. So I just want to make them take a moment to pause and realize, you know, just let people know, like you, you can do it, you know, you can do it and you should do it. Yeah. So as a dermatologist, how do you feel or what's your goal and how are you helping treat African-Americans? So that pressure never stops, especially in Durham. Um, There Mm -hmm. is, there aren't too many black derms. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, at all, period. Um, yeah. You get out, you're expected to, so, short story. I remember going to Howard doing my rotation and they asked me, what do you want to do? I'm like, I want to help black people. And one of the residents was like, oh, so you want to just do black derm? And she was like, good luck. 
And I'm like, what does that mean? And she didn't say it. She didn't say it in a condescending way. I just kind of yeah. took it that way. But she explained, she was like, it's very, you know, oftentimes you're kind of pigeonholed into to seeing people that look like you because there's nobody else that understands it. Derm is mm-hmm. I, unlike any other specialty. I tell people all the time, like the physiology or pathophysiology of a heart attack is pretty much the same no matter what race you are. Like there's no blood flow to the heart for a period of amount of time that causes the, the heart mm-hmm. cells to die, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there's environmental factors that play into that, but when it comes to pathophys, it's pretty much the same. Derm is weird. It's different. Like, Mm, great point. A, a disease in a black person, even if you biopsy, it may look different under a microscope mm. than in a white person. Talk about um, it. And so there is like nuance, not only in the pathophys, which is nuance, but then you add that to the environmental, social and other aspects of the cultural aspects that can affect mm. skin. It's like, oh, if you have no idea that. A, a person of this ethnicity does this culturally, you might misdiagnose them. That's right. And so it's it's expected for us to understand and know these things as we walk into the room, which I'm not saying no other specialty does it, but it just happens a lot. That's a there. great point. That's absolutely yeah. great. Um, yeah. And so I went into residency. Luckily, I matched in Detroit, which at the time was 88% Black. So I, I got a really strong foundation, not only 80% Black, but also has one of the, the largest populations of people from the Middle East yep. in the Detroit area. So I had Dearborn. a very great, Dearborn, Michigan, had a very great, uh, which is where our main clinic was. So I had a really great experience in dermatology. So I feel I felt compelled and feel compelled to continue to help people of all ethnicities because I have that training, I have that experience. And I remember uh, one of the programs in the Midwest, I had a colleague who told me they saw like three black patients all year. And I'm like, that's not helpful when you leave and you go practice in Baltimore, Maryland. That's not going to be as helpful. Um, You know, you're going to learn at that point. Like on residency again. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, which is, so, one of my, you know, I have personal interests as far as what I want to do in dermatology, but at, underlying all that is my continued efforts to make sure that I'm seeing people that look like me or people that may not have um, access to clinicians who can empathize, sympathize, whatever you want to say with, with them and their yeah. disease processes, and et cetera. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. That's yeah, that's so good. And uh, I mean, I think it's nice. There's like a whole like, um, I guess there's like a big push now for like, uh, you know, just national, I guess, like on TV and stuff. And like, you know, like you go to like uh, an altar or Sephora and like there's actual like African-American sections and stuff now, which was like not the case a few years ago. So yeah, it's, it's very important. Um, Absolutely. And we continue to try to diversify. Like ortho is the least diverse specialty. Derm is second. Wow. And so we're continuing to kind of help raise up people who look like us, who have similar cultural experiences, but also teach those who don't have those experiences how to better address um, culturally, but also clinically people of yeah. color. And that's what I love what you do, you know, in your free time. You, you are a mentor. You are helping those that are interested in the field. You yeah. are, you know, you're on panels at the NMA. And, and you're putting the word out and you're attracting talent. Just just being here and, and telling us your story and the things you want to do, 
Um, you know, these things make a difference. So I really appreciate you for that. But Ron Saad is finishing fellowship here soon. Tell yes. us, tell us about that, man. Why you went into fellowship and the things you want to do there? Um, yeah, it's great. Um, I thank you. I am finishing a um, fellowship out in Spokane, Washington. My fellowship director, Cameron Chestnut, he's a dermatologist, facial plastic surgeon. Does a lot of innovative things in regenerative medicine. So it's been a blessing to spend a year out there to further my career, learning. Um, many, many, many aspects of dermatologic surgery. And also you know, he's, he is uh, uniquely trained and does a lot of uh, facial plastic procedures. So it's, it's definitely opened a totally new avenue for me. Um, Can you explain facial plastics to people who like may not know what exactly? Yeah. So, um, and actually I'm learning new things about it. So facial plastics is um, a subspecialty that is traditionally uh, a subspecialty of ear, nose, and throat doctors. So these are facial plastic surgeons do procedures like eyelid surgery, blepharoplasty, facelifts, neck lifts. Mm -hmm. um, and there are plastic surgeons who are pl general plastic trained that also do facial plastics. Mm -hmm. um, there are a few dermatologists that are surgically oriented that do it. But I, I guess until you know recent history, didn't know there was like, there's the American um, Academy of Facial Plastics and Reconstructive Surgeon. I didn't realize there was such a wide uh, array of clinicians from various specialties. You know, in my mind, when I'm in medical school, when I see somebody's facial plastic, I already think they're ENT trained. But there's tons of plastic surgeons. There's tons, a couple of derms, a lot of ENT um, people out here doing facial plastics. And so um, it is for... Up until recently, I think uh, derm is a very evolving specialty. And years ago, uh, dermatology was a subspecialty of internal medicine. It was actually like an infectious disease subset. Mm -hmm. And now there's more, more, the most procedures that are done in facial aesthetics are usually done by dermatologists. They may not be the more invasive procedures, but over the arc of all procedures. Wise, yeah. Yeah. And so derm is becoming very uh, procedural oriented. And so this opportunity has just been great because I can kind of add more tools to my tool belt, you know, put things in my bag to use for my patients um, back home. Yeah. That's so good. That's yeah. So good. And investment in yourself and your skill set that, you know, at some point in your career, you may realize, hey, I want to do this or do that. And, and this this man has had the courage and the willpower and the strength and the perseverance to make it happen. I'm really I'm really proud of him, man. You know, I think it takes a lot of guts to do what he's done. Uh, Ron was practicing for some time and then decided <laughs> to go do fellowship. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, um, you know, when you start making money and you get settled and you get it's hard, it's a hard, difficult thing to do. But again, like. Don't quit. Always try and, and, and be happy in this life and do the things that you want to do. And I'm just excited to see all the wonderful things he's going to do, man, with his fellowship and his experiences and just trying to help those along the way. It's yeah. going to be great. It's going to be great. Oh, that's real. Yeah. Um, you'll never, you'll yeah, never yeah. regret, like, you know, investing in yourself. And that's what you're doing. So investing in yourself. So that's Yeah. Awesome. It. You know, as I, we talked about what got me interested in derm, again, my mentor, he was a derm surgeon. He was a mold surgeon. He did surgery. Um, you know, that was his main specialty. And I always had interest in procedure. 
procedures and the traditional way of getting into dermatologic surgery, you know, I tried that. Uh, I, I applied for fellowship twice and didn't get in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there's not too many um, black men, period, that are um, derm surgeons, let alone most surgeons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, um, unfortunately, the cards I would dealt, I didn't play them. I just had to change my cards. And luckily, mm-hmm. met my mentor, my, my fellowship director, who gave me this opportunity. So, yeah, um, kept that. It's going. It's going to be great. Yeah. Yes. Per- you kept that. And and like now, like since you know you had that experience that you had, now you're going to open doors for other people too. Oh yeah. Exactly. Without that's a doubt. Already happened. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so good. I love it. Oh, that's amazing. So, yeah, man. So, Ron, I, I always ask this question. You know, the most difficult thing that you've encountered along your journey, and how you overcame it, and and what where do you get your strength? What do you pull from? The most difficult thing in my journey is uh, it's a really good question. It makes you ponder for a sec. Mm-hmm. I think um, starting in medical school, I think the most difficult thing for me was honestly believing in myself that I could do the things I wanted to do, especially Durham. Like Durham was hard to get into. Uh-huh. That's what everybody said. It is hard to get into, but <laughs> kind of having that self, that the self, Belief. the knowledge of self that you yeah. can do what you want to do was helpful, especially when you got people. I remember, you know, being on a surgery rotation and just not like, just not feeling supported from whomever um, and saying like, you start to doubt yourself. It's a vicious one. I'm gonna tell you that yeah. surgery rotation was no joke. It takes it was a, no joke. A lot of fortitude to come through that with your head held high. Yeah. yeah. It. And so again, that just helped build me um, mm-hmm. and support me. I think residency for me was um, was great. You know, I, I think leaving residency, I maybe that's why I'm in fellowship now. I just kind of felt like. I wasn't sure what still what I wanted to do. Like I still didn't know. I think that was tough for me too. Like mm-hmm, still mm-hmm. pull being pulled. Derm is derm is again a very broad specialty. So there's many things you can you can find and do in dermatology. And I didn't know. And I still felt that pressure. Like, do I need to only see skin of color? Or can I just do surgery? Which mean I wouldn't see any, you know, not many skin of color patients. Right. Not knowing what to do. Like that has been or what I can do, but Honestly, at some point, you just do what you want to do. Do what makes you happy. Um, And I think what gives me strength is just the support of friends and knowing that if I have a goal and I have a purpose, my friends are helping me build as an individual, as a person, leading me to my, helping me lead lead myself essentially to my purpose. Yeah. Um, So I lean on, I lean on, I lean on that network I, I alluded to earlier whether it be from undergrad or friends from medical school and thereafter, I lean on them to mm. kind of pull me forward. I love it. And the Kanye man. line. Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll, okay, well, we'll get you out of here. Always. Real quick. Um, so what would you tell someone who's uh, struggling in medical school or undergrad trying to make it happen for themselves? What would you tell them? I would tell them, look up and look behind you. Um, look up to the people that have done it, connect with them, 
listen mm-hmm. to them, talk to them, have a conversation with them, yes. mimic them, uh, emulate them, learn from their mm-hmm. mistakes, learn from their downfalls. Mm-hmm. Um, and then look at the people behind you that you need to lift as you climb. Mm-hmm. And because and sometimes when you, when you feel, at least my personality, when you feel like somebody's depending on you, it pushes you further. Yeah, that's a great point. And so, um, no, you know, it, it can be done. Plus, it's, I think, like, those give you, you know, that kind of gives you little wins when you're helping someone along right behind you. That kind of gives you, like, a lot of, like, confidence as well. So, Absolutely. Like, it's, it's kind of symbiotic. It kind of helps you and helps them, too. So, that's actually Yeah, it's a blessing to be able to give, you know. That's it. Exactly, exactly. But that was awesome, man. We really appreciate the, uh, the story. It's a germ. I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. No, thanks for having me. I, you know, I feel like, you know, this, this is a very comfortable set. I love what y'all doing. I love the people, different people you talk to and just hearing their journey. And every, you can get a, a nugget or a gem from every conversation you guys have had with, with other physicians. And, and that's what it's going to take to have the younger folk listen to this and be like, oh, I remember Dr. Such and Such said this and Dr. Such and Such did that. And now they have a, a roadmap on the road on the road not everybody has to go on the road but you know whatever <laughs> <laughs> but they have i mean like you know we appreciate you being open and honest i think that's absolutely the thing. Like, sometimes yeah, like you know you'll meet people who are not going to be open and honest with you so like we really appreciate you sitting down with us and being open and honest about your journey and how like you know you're making it happen for yourself you know it's not going to be a perfect you know road or like path but you know you can still make it happen and you're like making it happen so we really appreciate you being honest and i'm sure all the listeners really appreciate you know all the uh, all the insight and the confidence you give everybody. So oh, for sure. Yeah. Yes, you know, thank you, for, thank you. For anybody listening, that's a young budding dermatologist, whether you're in medical school or beyond. You know, I really the National Medical Association Dermatology Section has been amazing. We are wow. we are bringing it along. I think we've matched 92 students in derm in the last two or three years, which is like crazy. Oh, that's crazy. Um, <laughs> wow, that's wonderful, man. <laughs> so, Shout out. Like that's that's when I say reach out to people that are ahead of you, that is how you you kind of latch on and we lift as we climb. So whatever specialty it is, find that organization, find those people, just just find them, talk to them and help help them lead you. Absolutely. And that common theme of NMA is like in all the specialties. I mean, it's it's, it's like everyone in all the different specialties. You You can always, if you have no one around you, you can always reach out to someone in NMA, always. For sure. Yeah, but excellent, man. We really appreciate it, man. Uh, really appreciate you doing this with us and uh, appreciate everybody listening. And uh, yes, thank you. Yes, definitely. Until next time, stay low and keep fire. Keep fire, baby.